Wait for it. Wait for it. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just a couple of nerdy veterans and one, uh, while we can't call her a dependent, because apparently that's like a Karen. So I got to come up with a better word. But but we got Madam Stabby uh, over here, and we're geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies, a place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, see, I messed myself up this time, but I am told that if I call her a dependent again, she will cut me. Where's she going to cut me? Well, she'll probably cut Nick for being my friend, and then she'll cut me. She might I, even I want to send her a razor, one of those nice, you know, shaving razors. Alexa Kitchen, she's a Michael Myers fan. I mean, if we're going to get the straight razors to do it, can we at least get the sponsorship to go with it? By Gillette. By Gillette. Yeah. <laughs> Madam Stabby Stab, by Gillette. All right. Well, Sean, can you tell us? Uh, friends, by Gillette. You've been on the show. Of the New England Patriots. He's bleeding out. Please ignore his shenanigans. So, Sean, you've been on the show before, but can you introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers who didn't listen to your poetic rants about Star Trek? <laughs> oh, God, I love Star Trek. Uh, uh, my name is Sean McCune, a.k.a. Gun Guy, if you ever catch me on Discord. Uh, love play games. Love big science fiction uh, nerd buff fantasy. Everything from Tolkien to... Uh, to uh, Larry Niven's Ringworld, and I love Ringworld, and I'm telling you that is probably one of the better things. I love Star Trek, all the people who write Star Trek, you know, uh, uh, also like, you know, Star Wars, a little bit Star Wars here and there, uh, but uh, I, lo I love Star Trek, and my uh, my uh, thing is uh, I've been, I've written several short stories, I'm currently working on several uh, <laughs> much larger stories that are taking its toll on me, uh, I haven't, I've been down cause I had to have this hand here worked on with uh, some carpal tunnel going in a couple of weeks. I'm going to have this hand done. Um, so that kind of limited my, you know, my typing ability for a while. Um, but I did get, uh, somebody suggest that I go ahead and do the voice thing through Google and I haven't tried it yet. Um, I think I messed with it a little bit, but I haven't really tried it, tried it yet. So that's a possibility cause I'm still going to be out for in the next month and a half. Um, uh, as this heals up and then this one, my right hand will get done here in about a, a week or two. And then hopefully, uh, about a month after that, I'll be able to go back to my day job, which is working, which is uh, something everybody has to do. You know, we got to earn money. Um, personally, I think, uh, I, I, uh, I think, uh, that, uh, that, uh, Star Trek is probably one of the better genres, although, Secretly, I am I, I am wishing that they come out with another Firefly, and this time go multiple seasons, only because I absolutely loved the characters, um, and, and and I want uh, uh, Nathan Fillion back. I want him back. Um, I don't care if he plays the grandfather of, you know, a, a you know, a rambunctious daughter that takes after him, or granddaughter that takes after him. I don't care. I, I want Firefly back. If I had my way, Nathan Fillion would be starred in everything. He's an amazing actor. He he is. Uh, that one uh, show that with where he's the cop, Castle. Oh, the God. oh no, the rookie, the rookie. Castle's yeah. great. I love Castle. Castle's great too. The, the writer is just and a cop. the yeah. well. The writer and, and his acting ability is just fantastic. You put him in so many different situations, some funny situations. It, 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 in in there, I'm like, man, this this guy's 
he's versatile. He is. He can, he can play, you know, a, a, a Wild West in space cowboy captain. Yeah. He can play, uh, uh, you know, he can play a, a writer uh, and, and, you know, murder mystery type person. I mean, almost like, almost in the vein of, of uh, uh, Columbo type of things, you know, where they go in right. and, and then you've got, uh, and then and you've got him playing an actual cop. Uh, there for a while, I thought he kind of reminded me of T.J. Hooker uh, with with the actual personality. Uh, <laughs> but I, I I thought he was fantastic. Uh, yeah, um, I think like DC Warner Brothers great. missed the mark. Um, he should have been the Green Lantern, and they casted him as the uh, the detachable kid in Suicide Squad. So that bars him from ever playing the Green Lantern in future DC movies. So the only problem with oh, uh, he could do a reboot. The one, the one thing I like that they did with the castle one is they actually hired a ghostwriter to write as crime novels for the fictional writer from the TV show. Yep. And then they used Nathan Fillion's picture from the castle thing from the actual blurb about the author that it was his, you know, headshot is now on the back of the castle books too. Like that character actually wrote them. I think that's genius marketing. <clears throat> a brilliant marketing. So hopefully the books were decent. I saw them at Barnes and Noble once. I didn't actually buy them, but I did look at them. So that's something. All right. And uh, what about you, Madam Stabby Jr., Maddie Stabby? Um, so, so what can you tell us about yourself? About myself? Um, honestly, there's not much to say. I'm just a really big horror fan. Um, I, I love to write horror movies one day. That's what I'm trying to do right now. I like to write scripts, and I'm writing a script for a horror movie right now. And Honestly, this, and you, it's just my passion. It's my favorite thing. So. And you've you seen her here first, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Do you have a weak stomach? A weak stomach? No. So, like, nothing creeps you out? No. I could watch any movie, watch anything, be perfectly fine. So, if you went on Fear Factor and they said, stick your hand in that box, you're sticking your hand in the box? It depends on what's in the box. Well, that's part of the Fear Factors. You don't always know. I've, I've never seen I've never seen Fear Factor, honestly. What's that, Stabby? I said this girl threw Madagascar hinting cockroaches at me. Like Did held you have it in her hand. hand. She put okay. Hand in the box and then yeah, so, so I, put her hand in I the would. box. We came. I, I put my hand in the box. <laughs> okay, so what kind of horror movies do you like to write? Um, right now I'm actually working on a, uh, a scream script, my kind of my own version. So okay. that's what I'm working on right now. What I want to work on in the future is kind of something more psychological, paranormal. Hellraiser. So if you were going to do get involved in it, would you be um, want to get in front of the screen too? Or are you perfectly happy staying behind the screen and, and directing and, and writing? I'd probably get in front of the screen like a little bit, like maybe a couple minutes of screen time, you know, like just kind of a background character, whatever. Who is it? Uh, Mel Brooks. Is he the one that uh, the guy that did a cameo in every movie he made? Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. That could be you. Every movie you're in, you're like the first dead body they find. Pretty much. What did Stephen King 
King say? He said, every time I cameo in one of my movies, it flops. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody has bought a book of his in like 10 years. Well, he can't nail a landing, but uh, anyway. All right. So this would not be the blast. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just Stephen King can't. Oh, we, we put Stephen King on blast as part of the Blasters and Blades podcast. I mean, the dude's selling millions, so like I, I I'm gonna he's gonna laugh all the way to the bank while we're you know sleeping well, on our normal pillows. He's gonna be in sleeping my on humble opinion. Money. As far as Stephen King goes, um, his first couple of books I think were probably very good. He got attention. He got he got a lot of publicity, and that's what sold everything. But people don't realize uh, certain when you get to be that big and you put out that many books a year, there is no way. The average in Larry Korea, for example, is a prime example. You can put out uh, three, four books a year if that's all you do. I mean, all you do. You don't have family. You don't have friends. You don't have pets. <laughs> that's all you do. And you truly put out a some good work three four books a year and you you pimp them like hell stephen king has an entire staff of writers he is the director he reads through it and that's all he does he reads through everything and approves yes no change it here change it there and then a couple other people who also help change it and he he just mills out all of this stuff because he has a bunch of other people working under contract to write a lot of books this is a well-known fact same thing with steel same thing with um um what was his name um coons yeah coons coons doing that too yeah a lot of them a lot of them are doing it because they get so big they got the ideas they know where the story needs to go all they do is they hire on a bunch of writers to write the bulk of it and then they pick and choose the best parts of it and then to be the writer they go in and they basically cut and paste and change it to how they want it. Editors go through it. Everything goes through it. Can the the uh, um, um, make sure you have your copy editor and your grammar and your and your uh, spelling fixed. And then you have uh, the continuity person comes through to make sure everything is the way it's supposed to be. History items, etc. And they do a double check on everything. That's the way it's. That's the way they do it. And it's mm. a big business for them. But I mean, when you're making you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in your career, you can afford to do that. But I mean, when one book goes out and he sells a million before he before it's even sold, you have libraries buying buying it by the million load and stocking it up because that people are going to read it. Same thing. You sell a lot on Amazon, you get pre-orders, pre-orders blow out, blow out the doors. Oh, it's the latest Stephen King novel, it's the latest. Coons and I have the latest Steel novel. Boom. And I'm telling you, the person who writes is Daniel Steele or the person who is Daniel Steele is making it left and right. If there's a person oh, yeah. named Daniel Steele. Was it very well could be like that. Uh, was it uh, there's that uh, I think there's a New York Post or Washington Post. One of those uh, newsrooms decided they were going to have the writers write a book together and they were going to put one person a female out there and she was going to be the face of it. You probably remember it was going to be the face of it. And uh, she said, you know, I wrote the book and she read it and everybody loved the book. Everybody was all praises, New York times bestselling. And it was written badly to begin with. And they only did it to prove 
sex sells. And that's what sold the book. It, every chapter was lurid. Just uh, the book was called uh, Thy Neighbor's Wife. You remember okay. it? Yeah. I, I that was that was written yeah. by by an entire uh, uh, I think uh, uh, Donahue. I think I think they made a thing on Donahue where she came on. Yes, she had two big Afghan hounds and everything. And but it's if you can get a staff to write most of the bulk stuff for you, and you have the ideas and you have the characters, and everything you bring. Hey, I would do it if I if I was making that kind of money. Oh, absolutely. So. Um, the um, to religion. Hold on. So I will say that there are writers that write a crap ton of words every year and their books are still good. Rick Partlow, I know him personally. Brandon Sanderson doesn't seem to have a problem producing like a gazillion words a year. Um, so it can be done. It's just, it's definitely a skill. It that has not to be pretty much, that. exactly. You have to be able to fly on the keyboard. You have all your all your thoughts down. And, and I know a lot of them will write down. They'll sit down and they'll write, write out uh, all their story in the you know in like on a spreadsheet or something say this is where i'm starting this is the middle and this is the end of this particular story this is the stuff that i want in it and they outline it real quick and then they go on to the next one they have ideas they put it down um one of the one of the writers that i uh i know personally uh he basically told me get an idea you write it down you get a thought that you want to put something in a book write it down if you have some some situation that happens that you think would be good for a book, write it down. And if, as long as you have it written down, it's written down. It's there. You can go back. Oh, yeah, I want that in, in my book. All right. So, Maddie, are you ready for the Maddie Stabby Jr.? Wow, you're Madam and Maddie. This is on purpose, right? You did this on purpose. Yeah. I know. This is, a, this is a setup Stabby from the get-up. All right. So, Maddie Stabby Jr. All right. Are you ready for the religion questions? All right, Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly, and go. Which one do you like the most? She probably likes all three or hasn't seen Firefly. I haven't seen Firefly or Star Trek, so I'm just going to go with Star Wars. Atta girl. Atta girl. I've, I've seen probably like one or two episodes of Star Trek, so. That's okay. Okay. All right, Andy, because we That's are my niece, ladies and gentlemen, my niece. All right, and because we are polytheistic here on the Blasters and Blades podcast, Game of Thrones, The Wheel of Time, or Lord of the Rings, or Stranger Things. I've never seen any of those, so I'm just gonna go with Lord of the Rings. There are books too, you know, in words on on paper. Um, Alrighty, and because Madam Stabby wants to prove that we are civilized human beings and not knuckle-dragging troglodytes, coffee or tea, and how do you take it? Coffee with a lot of creamer. That, that is perfectly acceptable. I actually double-brew the strength of my coffee, so when I add the creamer, it's still regular strength coffee. Mm. Sometimes I, I drink before I... Go ahead. I've had JR's coffee. It, um, I didn't sleep for a week. I, I'm I just put saying, a spoon in there to judge, you know, quality, and it stood straight up. <laughs> and uh, actually, that was last week. I still need it. So tonight I might sleep. Well, you know, uh, one time we accidentally put the Red Bull instead of the water, and then it was just ugly. I mean, oh, oh that's yeah. I could see sounds and hear oh, colors. God. It was amazing. Okay. 
All right. And now that we've got that out of the way, we're going to talk about the topic that got us all together. And if you uh, if you heard the intro, you could guess, but it's slashers and the art of the stabby stab. So uh, first off, what makes a slasher movie different from other forms of horror? And go. Ooh. Hold on, Stabby. You want Maddie, Honestly, why don't you start us off? I think what makes slashers different from more, I guess you could say, psychological horror is it's kind of just some sloppy wall-to-wall jump scares and some people getting stabbed left and right rather than <laughs> rather than let's say the Babadook for instance it's oh. more it's more like emotional and complex rather than some just sloppy mess put together Honestly, What's the term they use for that, Maddie, is it uh, was it elevated horror? Elevated like horror. Babadook? Elevated horror yep. or high- eyebrow horror. Yeah. Twice. Twice. <laughs> but it's All right. Okay. Stabby, do you agree with that? Do you agree with your protege? Protege? I can speak. Protege. So, yes and no. I love a psychological horror if it's done right. It came out so well. And it and as much as everybody tries to say, you know, Pennywise is not considered a psychological horror, it's, you know, alien, it's sci-fi horror and everything like that. If you think about it, he appears to each person as what they fear the most. He shows up as the lady in the painting, he shows up as as the leper, you know, as the clown, as this, that, and the other, like it is definitely psychological. Whereas in a slasher, it goes one of two ways. Like in my vision, I'd have to say it goes one of two ways. It is either straight up revenge or wrong place, wrong time. So in Scream, and I mean every single one of the six movies that are out, it's nothing but revenge. It's revenge for his the disrespect that her mom gave. It's revenge for my dad. It's revenge for my son. It's revenge for my brother. Whereas Halloween is that babysitter was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And Michael Myers just fell in love. He had to get a little bit of that blood. He didn't fall in love. He has OCD. That finished the job. And you poked him in the eyeball. <laughs> but, You're a little too happy to be talking about poking people in eyeballs. <laughs> I live but, in Japan. Like, then you have slashers that are slashers, but they're also psychological. I.e. Freddy Krueger. It's easy your dreams. But he's cutting you up. So you kind of, it, it really depends on how you personally view and and feel watching horror movies. Um, with me, I love a good slasher. I love a good slasher. I like when people are like, he's the killer. He's his sidekick. And they're just messing people up because his mama was mad. <laughs> the best storyline ever. I love it. I'm horrible. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this week on Therapy with Madam Stabby Stab. <laughs> oh my. Okay. Uh, no, no. We 
keep yeah, after her after her thing i think we're going to have to have some therapy all right so what do you think about um what makes a slasher separate from other forms of horror sean well uh, i think if you go back to the uh the b movie screen queens that were on constantly i mean there was constant tna there was you know sexual innuendo involved um it was like uh madam stabby stab said it, it, it a lot of it be revenge or something went awry some of those actually you know took off like uh um oh, what's that movie uh Bulb the car, catch fire. Christine? Christi uh, no, not Christine. Wait. Maybe Chris. No, maybe? Did Christine? the car try to kill people? Yes. And Christine. it would take over. And whoever, yeah, Christine. And, and whoever, whoever would, would drive that car would be, uh, would be taken over by some, by the, the spirit of the car. And, yeah. and, I, to me that 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 ticked all the boxes because the spirit of the of that young lady who got raped and murdered and such ended up being a part of that car and and people talk about well you know but that that would never happen i i disagree i think i think the energy that we leave as human beings regardless of your religious beliefs the energy that we convey um, in our lives here can remain an echo or a, as an echo um, having the same spiritual energy soul energy if you will um, to do things uh, my uncle swears up and down that my grandmother his mother um, uh, my grandparents passed away but my uncle took the house he was renovating the house and they and they and without even cooking anything just the smell of bacon would come wafting in about one, two o'clock in the morning. And he would go, mom, quit it. And just like that, the smell of fried bacon would go away. Why would you my want gran the smell of my bacon? Grandmother, my grandmother would get up in the middle of the night and she'd make bacon and tomato sandwiches. Or she would make bacon and then she would have uh, 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 fried eggs and bacon grease. And she would cook the eggs and make make toast or have bread and she would dip it uh, in the egg in the egg yolk and eat it at night and then she'd go back to bed and then she'd be back up about five o'clock in the morning to get my grandfather you know off to work that when i heard heard him say that uh in that house uh that i had partially grown up grown up in um, yeah, it, it put the hackles on the back of my neck. I'm go, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, because there was some things about the my uh, uh, great grandfather and my great grandmother had both visited, and one of them I can't remember which one, but one of them had died in the house, and my grandmother would talk to them when she was still alive. My grandmother was uh, half Cherokee, half Sephardic Jew. And she is very much into uh, uh, spirits that were there and, and omens and, and stuff. I mean, we had this bird come in, hit the hit the window on our back door and fell down dead, broke its neck. And my grandmother said, you're not going to school today. And I was like, 
because a bird ran into the window and broke its neck. She said, it's a, it's a bad omen. You're not going out. And we didn't go out. I don't know, you know why, other than she said, we're not going to school and we didn't go to school. Now, my great, um, my great grandmother I, would do that. She would randomly be looking at me and she'd be like, Marissa, do you smell that? And I'd be looking at her and I'm like, smells like peppermint tobacco. She goes, that's grandpa. Grandma, grandpa's been gone for years. She goes, I don't smoke. You don't smoke. We're the only ones in the house. And I was just sitting there like, now every time I smell peppermint tobacco, I'm like. Grandpa? <laughs> grandpa? Great grandpa, technically, so, but. Great grandpa. Now, yeah. uh, so Nick, that's my ideas on the slashers. Uh, just there was a bunch of screen queens and it, it was B movie, but it, it was fun stuff. You'd go there and they'd have this typical trope, you know, they'd be, they'd hear something or they suspect something. They'd get up and this girl, you know, would be like walking over to the door and we'd be reaching for the door and be screaming, don't open the door. She'd open the door and open up. Nothing's there. And then she would close the door and she'd turn around. She'd hear, turn around the door slowly opening and she's like what well, don't you go to close it and the thing would bust open and here comes the thing that you know eek! yeah um i was uh re-watching psycho the other day um, the anthony uh perkins one 1960 version 1960 that's right the og um with janet lee um mother of uh jamie lee curtis the uh the modern scream queen, if you will. Um, yeah. And I tried to watch it as a viewer that has never had any um, knowledge of the slasher genre or anything like that. You know, I tried to take it in as like a first time viewer in 1960 and it was difficult to do quite a lot of booze to get me into that mindset because I've seen a lot of slashers, you know, it's one of my favorite genres in horror besides, uh, you know, possession and exorcisms and things like that. Those are the ones that really just chill my bones and gives me the heebie-jeebies. But uh, it was a really well-made movie. And um, like I, in that thought process, in that mindset, it's like, man, you, like a first-time viewer would never would have suspected that um, Norman was the slasher because they did it so well. And he was so quick in the changeout between and it's not a it's not a spoiler. I mean, the movie came out in 1960. People, if you complain to Stabby with the hate mail that I spoiled Psycho for you, I need you to go grab a tack hammer and hit yourself repeatedly in the forehead with it. It's not a it's not a spoiler. So, but watching that and watching how Norman was like this awkward person, but um, had some charisma to him too. You know, it's like you wanted to trust him. You wanted to tell him things. You felt safe with him, not knowing that he was a killer that uh, got too attached. And then, you know, the other side of his brain, which was mother, it's like, you got a killer. You got a killer, you know? And then we get a little bit of that later on, about 20 years later, when we start dealing with uh, Friday the 13th. Well, part two, actually, when we start getting an introduction to Jason. But uh, I digress. Uh, Well-made movie. Well-made movie. Um, 
I think a slasher by definition is it involves something sharp, stabby, stabbying, hence the uh, slasher as the name. So knives, chainsaws, scalpels. I don't think um, a murder show where it's a gun is going to qualify as a slasher because. Oh, absolutely not. not. No, you're absolutely right. It has to be a bladed weapon of some kind, arrow. Um, it it has yeah. to be personally involved. It has to Acts. be a personal act. Yeah, I yeah. think anytime you kill someone that close, it is definitely personal. It's not as impersonal as shooting someone from 300, 600 meters and farther. Uh, and then I looked it up. Critics cite the Italian G-I-A-L-L-O. Giallo. Giallo films. And psychological for It means yellow. Okay. Psychological horror films such as Peeping Tom and Psycho from the 60s as early influences on the slasher genre. The genre hit its peak between 78 and 84, referred to as the golden age. Um, and then anything that came after is either falls into the classical era, the self-referential, which I think is more tongue-in-cheek. So that's the 94 to 60 when Scream came out, that range, where it's sort of um, well, almost for- takes itself not too seriously and then of course now they call them neo slashers yeah but you also have the the time frame time reference is wrong uh the italians were doing this stuff long before the americans were so when you talk about american slashers we were stealing a lot of stuff from fauci we were stealing a lot of stuff from um not that one people not not that one no the the cool one the one that does horror (laughs) The, the Italians were doing. I mean, I guess the other one did horror back too. But like I'm talking the one from the Italian guy. I'm the, sorry, uh, Sean, the, Itali- the Italians were doing some of this stuff back in the 20s and 30s. Oh yeah, them and I the Germans. The very I mean, early, yes, yeah. They were the first ones to create horror. You know, um, uh, who was it? It wasn't Alexander Graham Bell that created the. Uh, you mean talk, um, Marconi? Marconi. Marconi. Yeah. So. Word gets to the old world about this great invention that will record pictures in motion, and they make things like Nosferatu. One yeah, of the Silent best era film, films probably one ever. of the scariest damn films you'll ever watch. They worked their butts off to make it just appear that he appeared, and and, and it he was, was tall. He was lanky. His face was weird. It was a. It was unshapen. It like. It was amazing, and then you leap forward another 30, 40 years. You're doing Bay of Blood. You know, which is uh, Friday Thirteenth ripped off a lot of their kills from Bay of Blood, you know, and that's an Italian horror classic. Um, you got things like Tenabre, um, another Italian uh, Giallo film. Um, that one was messed up. One of the most messed up slashers I've ever seen, and definitely, so much and it fits slasher and psychological thriller because it was definitely who done it. But the kills were amazing. They were slasher esque. There was blood everywhere. Like the, that chick gets her hand cut off, and it squirts all over the wall. It's almost beautiful. With the uh, contrast to the color. Oh, um, wild. Oh, look, Jason Pollock. Show. Yeah. yeah Jason Pollock in Blood. But... Ta da. <laughs> yeah, it, it was just Blood like, oh, it, my it, hand's it, cut off. Let me see if I can write. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah. Maddie, since, since we're talking slashers, um, do you remember what your first slasher was? Halloween. It was Halloween. Uh, I saw it, I don't know, maybe when I was six or seven, long time ago. Okay. Do you remember being scared or did you just laugh? Because people have different reactions to horror movies. I wasn't really scared. I was just kind of 
I was like, I was just trying to comprehend what was going on. I was like, oh, okay, this guy's going around killing people. I don't know why, but he's doing it. <laughs> she went from she went from Scooby Doo mysteries to Michael Meyer mysteries. That's a big jump. I yeah. won't say it was my fault, but I will say that we watch a lot of horror movies in this family. So you're not saying it was your fault, but you're also not going to deny that it might have been your blockbuster card. <laughs> All right, Nick, I think that not <laughs> answer, and we will move on. All right, so Sean, what was your first slasher fic that, uh, film that you watched? Oh, it, Psycho. Psycho? Psycho. Okay. Uh, after that, uh, we started watching a bunch of the normal slasher flicks like Halloween, Friday the 13th. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, uh, a lot of the films that were horror that we watched, which weren't necessarily well, I guess you could call it slasher or reverse slasher, was the early films of uh, uh, the early uh, uh, vampire films, uh, where there was a lot of blood, uh, and you had a lot of people getting things slashed and cut, and 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 um, zombie films i think for probably some of the best that i had for like horror films but as, as far as like some of the some of the first slashers books definitely definitely psycho i wouldn't i'd consider psycho one of those psychological thrillers thrillers as well but um the uh the basis for pretty much everything that's in america is probably 1960s uh, psycho um there are probably a few films before that. I don't have the names in my head. I'm looking up on INDB right now, trying to remember which one it is. But it was, it, it was just, um, it, it it just, there wasn't anything in the world but to, but taking a dollar and uh, maybe two dollars that you earned, going to the Saturday matinee, and going in and watching either a Western or watching uh, uh, one of those slasher films or, or one of the horror films that were coming up. And we, we did that because we can go in there, get a, set, a dollar uh, matinee and have a dollar for uh, popcorn and, and, a, and a bag of candy. Oh, what a time. Oh yeah. Now it's like 90 bucks just for cut, you know, concessions at the movie theater. <laughs> There's a reason that you you go with a female who brings a purse and you just slide oh, the yeah. stuff in there. Don't tell her secrets. Oh wait, Debbie brings know. a backpack, so it's like I bring a backpack. We just pull uh, everything out of there. Here's some. Uh, if you go to IMDb, you look up the horror films by uh, release date. There's mm -hmm. a bunch of them. Uh, the Conjuring of a Woman at the House of Robert Houdin. The House of the Devil. A Nightmare. A Terrible Night, Faust Apparition de Mephistopheles, or Mephistopheles, yeah. X-ray thing. That's a good one. So they had, yes, they have a lot of these in here. I'm trying to get back up to like the 1920s. Um, I just looked that up the other day. Oh, no. Uh, was it the uh, Island of Dr. Caribre? That was also a silent film era one. That was yeah. just insane. Well, one of the, one of the better films I thought was very psychological was uh, in, as a horror film was uh, the Island of Doctor Moreau. Oh yeah, that's a good one. That is probably one of the better ones. Uh, the Devil. Hey babe. God, they got like two hundred nineteen thousand titles in here. What was your first? Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. That's the one I was looking. At. I remember trying to remember nineteen oh eight. Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Good movie. That was such a good movie. Yeah. 
That's a good one. And the special effects are amazing. The transition technology that they developed for that. So Nick, what was your first slasher? Uh, my parents didn't really let me watch horror movies, um, even though they enjoyed horror movies. At least my mom did. My mom loved to be scared, um, but she thought I was too young. Um, so my first introduction into horror, especially the slasher genre, is uh, my buddy. Uh, his first name was Ron. I can't remember his last name for the life of me because that was 30-something years ago. But uh, he's like, hey, man, I got this movie. It's a horror movie. Why don't we go to my house before you go home and let's watch it? And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should. My parents don't want me to like watch horror movies. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think that'll be okay. And he puts in Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives, the introduction of zombie Jason. And he turns it on and I'm kind of scared and I'm looking around, you know, his parents aren't home. I'm like, I feel like I'm doing something wrong, you know? And then uh, they start digging him up. And then, um, what's his name? Anyway, one of, one of the protagonists starts beating the hell out of Jason, you know, it's like, Oh my God, you killed my mom. You did this, you did that. And then he gets mad and he takes this rod iron, stake from the cemetery he stabs at him and lightning hits it and then jason starts like coming back to life and he pops up and he puts his mask on and he punches a hole through a dude from welcome back carter and then uh, i was like i fell in love right there i was like this is my dude this is my dude this is awesome and then uh i begged and proclaimed and confessed my love of horror to my parents i came out of the horror closet you know i <laughs> I'm a degenerate, you know, I'm slime. I know I'm into weird and sick things. I get it, but I need more. And, uh, you just reminded me of one of the, one of the better horror films, the wax museum. Oh, that's a good one too. Was that the one with uh Vincent price? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, speaking of slashers and horrors, he, uh, Vincent price, classic actor in all of those classic actor. And he covered a whole range of them. House of Usher. Oh, yes. House uh, of Usher. Rue Morgue. Uh, Pit in the Pendulum. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. Talk about psychological and being a slasher type thing. That's, yes. For today's vernacular, we call that a mind F. Man, nothing. That, I thought that joke hit so hard in my head and it just like. Sorry, flat. honey. I was uh, ready. Thanks, baby. Down. Thanks for the support. I was looking up things on IMDb real quick. Sorry. <laughs> so I would say, I don't know. I thought, um, I don't know. For me, the, the kind of horror that I always watched when I would watch, it was more of the um, Alfred Hitchcock style, which I guess was more psychological thriller. So for oh. me, I think the first actual slasher I watched was the Scream stuff. And those were more almost parodies of themselves or of the genre. I would say an argument on regards to Hitchcock was that they were slashers. Well, birds was uh, what comes to mind is the scariest movie I ever watched. Oh my oh, God. I, that is, yes. I just watched that today too. It's the original black and white. The music the that they do. For yeah. I, I'm sorry. I watched the technicolor version. Forgive me. Well, yeah. But it's the same. It's the same thing. I mean, the original, cause they did a remake. I'm pretty sure. I no, They, I don't think they've remade that movie. They've remade psycho. Watch. So you have watch remakes that. and sequels of the Psycho franchise. Um, as far as I can tell, uh, 
hold on. Doing my quick research. Birds has never been remade. All right, it's probably well then, one of the untouched, untouched bastions of cinematic history. Well, they did several TV adaptations, didn't they? I th- maybe. Uh, I maybe. I, I didn't really see it in my research. It could be. Um, hold on. We'll, we'll, we'll sick stabby stab on it. She is the queen of horror and research <laughs> for this program. He's also the, the resident Google guru. Yeah, the Google guru. Yes, yes, I was right. The Birds was in 1963. Then you got the... Uh, no, they didn't make one. Hold on. Let me click on it. They should have. Was it a made for TV? I think there was a made for TV. It, uh, IMDb says The Birds, 1963, Alfred Hitchcock. Um, there's Black and White and Color. They don't have anything else listed. They got the Thorn Birds, Angry Birds, Yellow Birds, Birds of Prey. Yeah, as far as I'm I can looking tell, up I don't movies. Think it's going to be made. Actually, it's. Oh, in development. No way. Exclusive, say who's the- exclusive. The Birds remake is in development with Scarlett Johansson. a girl. Um, the classic Alfred Hitchcock horror, The Birds, is being remade with her in the lead role. Interesting. Hmm. All right. Well, mark your calendars, kids. Does it say when that's um, well, considering that was released at the end of 2022, and we are currently in the middle of that strike. <laughs> we are currently in the middle of the strike in Hollywood, yes. So look for okay, so We're recording this in the middle of September, so you're listening to this a couple weeks later. Uh, obviously, you get the theme and why we released it when we did, so who knows? Maybe they've broken the strike by then. Maybe not. Well, let's hope so. There's some good shows that are on hot standby because of this thing. Yeah. Hey, studios, pay them. Pay them the money. I need entertainment. <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said, um, Stabby, did you answer what your first horror movie, slasher movie was? No. Go on. We so, must know. Don't be shy. So my first horror movie was actually It with Tim Curry. Uh, my brother forced me to watch it when I was like five years old. Messed me up. Scared of the bathtub for a while. Um, (laughs) But my first one that, like, my first slasher that I really just wanted to see, there was, um, in Las Vegas, there was a dollar theater. In certain days of the week, no matter, and this continued until just a couple years ago, didn't matter whether it was 1990s or, you know, 2020. Well, probably not 2020, 2019. <laughs> but um, there's a dollar theater where on Tuesdays and Thursdays you pay a dollar to get. It. They don't check your bags. You can bring your own snacks. It doesn't matter. But um, I really wanted to go see a horror movie. I really wanted it to be a slasher. And I really didn't want to go with my mom. So I got a bunch of my friends together. We went to the Dollar Theater. I was 16 years old, but my oldest friend was 18, and he bought us our tickets to the Dollar Theater to go see Halloween, 1978. Nice. I fell in love with Michael Myers. He was. It was just. That's my guy. That's my guy. Was that before or after he married Max Murderer? You know. (laughs) My whole different, thing different is, Mike Myers. 
Yeah. My whole thing is, like, everybody gives them shit because they're like, wait, is Lori his sister? And she was never supposed to be his sister. She was supposed to be a babysitter that just happened to walk up to that house at the wrong time and he saw her and obsession. He became that meme of the dork on the like the dating circuit. He's like, check, I found mine. Right. <laughs> I, found, I found mine. But that like that was my thing. And I'd have to say the very first movie I saw in theaters with my lovely niece was Halloween twenty eighteen. Nice. Did you guys scream? No. Throw popcorn in the air like you just don't care? No. But didn't we go see Halloween again after when? Yeah. Yeah, the 2018 yeah. one. Yep. Yeah. All right. So uh, I saw yeah, Halloween yeah. ends, right? Yeah, we saw Halloween ends together when you uh, came back out here, right? Yeah. yeah. That's cool. So, so Maddie, since you're, you're looking at um, slashers and horror in general from the production side of things, given that you're writing scripts right now as a hobby, uh, hoping to make it, make a go of it. So if Hollywood is watching and your writers are on strike, she's available. She's just, you know, she's gonna put that out there. She's available. Um, couldn't do any worse than what Hollywood's putting out these days. So do you think there are any tropes that are required for it to be in uh, the slasher genre? Oh yeah. Um, yeah, honestly. Pretty much what I said earlier, like all the wall-to-wall -wall jump scares, like all the stabbing and like goring, all that, like the basic things, the basic elements you see in every slasher movie, what, what Madame Stabby said earlier, like I think some type of revenge should be in there because that's in most uh, slashers you see. And... With, with mine, that's what I'm doing right now with my script I'm making. I'm kind of making a whole revenge thing. So I, I think it's kind of a necessity. Okay. I think you, you? Need to throw, you need to throw in there the little bit of comedy. The getting... Yeah. Like, they open the freezer and you know he's going to be standing there when they close it. And then they open it into his face. Yeah, yeah, or them tripping. Like you always yeah. have to have that little tiny bit of comedy where you're like. So have you guys, Savvy? Have you seen the um the Geico commercial where it's the horror slasher film is the setup and they're running and they hide behind this table full of chainsaws and every shirt. Oh, I was going to mention that earlier. You beat me. Yeah, it, that is the perfect satire of the genre. Like, Why not no. the car that's running and it's ready to go. <laughs> and then Why the, the colors just with all the hooks. Right, and then the killer's just like shrugging, and he just stares at him. And he's like the original, the original actor like, who it. played that part. Looking, he he basically raises his hood, looks uh, looks kind of like it was just classic. He's like, seriously, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to sharpen something here, and seriously, <laughs> we call those characters too stupid to live. Um, yeah. Okay, so what about you, Nick? What are common tropes you think have to be there besides the jump scares and the spraying and a little bit of comedy for a uh, slasher? Um, you have to have – it originally started as the final girl, the final girl trope. So you'll have the girl, and she's uh, a 
horror movie version of all that is pure, even though she's not entirely pure. She probably smokes dope or whatever, but she doesn't have sex. She's the virgin. She's she's the bookworm. I, I think uh, Lori Schrode is probably the innocence. Uh, yeah, innocence. Like, yeah, she does some bad stuff here and there, but like nothing to like warrant um, being stalked and killed by a boogeyman, you know? So I think it's probably one of the most important tropes. And now that trope is even transcended into modern times where we have the final guy. Uh, never really had a final guy before. It's always been the final girl, the, the, uh, the presence of purity and innocence, um, as Sean said. So that's a big trope for me. Um, I love seeing it. I, it's like one of my check blocks of what makes a good slasher. I'm like, all right, cool. Tragic past history of something that happened in a school, an industrial complex, a mine, some sort of setting. All right. And then, okay, that guy didn't really die. He's now back for revenge. And we all kind of think we know who it is based on the lore, right? And then Grandpa lost because his teeth out on the highway years ago. Someone right. picked him up. And until they're returned, everyone that goes by this spot's going to have a flat tire. And that tire is going to have a hole in it, like a pair of false teeth. You this... also need bitches be tripping. I'm sorry, is that a technical term? <laughs> bitches be yeah. tripping? Bitches be tripping. <laughs> and literally tripping in the woods. Nope, it's a Madam Stabby Stab term. Go on. Because you're watching. I'm intrigued. You got me. You had me at bitches be tripping. They're <laughs> running up the stairs, down the stairs, through the woods, down the freaking fishing pier, in the middle of the street. And every and single one of them have that fishing pier, that boat exactly. dock. Every one and of them. That's right. It, it hasn't been up to code in 30 years. Or but people still go on it. And, and every time they're running, they're running, they're running. <clears throat> now, you forget the part where they're also bouncing as they run. If you know, you know. Jiggling. I call them the jiggle queens. Yes. Yeah. All right. Or the scream queens, right? Because they always we're talking, scream. We're, we're, we're talking about titties, folks. Titties. We were trying That's to stay thinking for everything. T-I-E-S. I, I didn't say it. I didn't, I didn't say so, it. So for me, that's don't one. blame me. I, I would have called the scream. Nick, come on! I would call it the scream queen is the uh, trope for me when you got the girl that's always just screaming, and sometimes you're just wishing she dies so the screaming freaking stops. I'm like, like I really want the killer to get stopped, but can you just take off her first so we get a little bit of silence in the theater? Yeah, I get. I mean, yeah that that is a trope. We just watched one the other day. Night of the demons. No. Are you the, sure? Because that's the one you've been complaining about for the last 72 hours. No. <laughs> I actually post about it because I don't typically jump in scary movies. Like any scary movies, I don't jump. And we were watching a movie the other night and tried. it just got released. And every couple minutes I was just like, oh shit, I didn't see that. Is that the elevator game? I, I want to say it was the, the Boogeyman. Oh yeah, the boogeyman. The yeah, boogeyman. Jesus Christ, you were jumping like a jack in the box in that one. That's your so, yeah, jump scares generally. I don't know. The music kind of foreshadows it. I've never. I, I can't think of in, yeah. it caught me off guard. But all right, so I, I would think for me the trope is the. Uh, I don't know if when it became a horror thing, but the idea that the black guy is always gonna never gonna make it out. 
Um, you see that in a lot of movies. I don't know if that became a thing because I've only seen a lot of slashers are mostly as spoofs. And so they were actually making a joke or if that was really a thing. I am not. Like, this isn't my normal genre. I'm stretching no, myself. It was. It, it, was it was a thing. It, it was, was a thing. And it's that's why point. you get parodies of it in modern film. Okay. What about you, um, Sean? What is the f- trope you think is in a, the good slasher flicks? Um, in the good slasher flicks, the trope that is probably one of the best is everybody before or during, you know, the, the things are going on. There's always that guy or that girl and guy that are just, Hey, you know, eh, it's kind of calmed down. Let's go over here. Let's kind of, let's get it on. And next thing you know, both of them are missing their hearts. <laughs> yeah. And they don't even and let them finish, which makes it even it's, cooler. It's all, come on, man. Let them, you know, let, you know, let them, you know, do what they do. And then, you know, then you have the guy come in and, you know, you know, whatever, you know, stab them or, but it's always that true. Or, or it's the entire groups together and, something happens to one of them like right in front of everybody and it's like blood everywhere and all the girls are guys are covered in blood and gore and stuff as this person's taken out and they're dismembered right in front of them and they're like the freak out trope so for me it's very obvious that the the players in the movie have never Mm -hmm. gamed with james m ward because you never split the party and they always go their own ways so they can be hunted down one by one yeah, but, the, uh, I hate that one. I hate that one. Yeah, um, they obviously don't understand small unit tactics either. But speaking of tactics, I realize we are an hour in and I haven't uh, spoken oh no. about our sponsor. So, oops. You got a show for the man, dude. Got a show for the man. And I heard this boss was a real jerk. You hired, He hired you for a book cover. He's a real ass, I'm, I'm told. But He's a anyway. real a-hole. A-hole. The government underestimated the outbreak. The best medicines couldn't stop it. Now, the dead are walking the streets, and they're hungry. Zombie Patient Zero is nine tales of flesh-ripping, brain-splattering mayhem from Bayonet Books, the boldest name in action and horror anthologies. From deep space, to luxury resorts, nowhere is safe. Zip up your hazmat suit and dare to find out how it all went wrong. Zombie Patient Zero from the deranged minds that brought you Contact This and Storming Area 51. Pick up your copy today in paperback or Kindle. Speaking of deranged minds, I understand, uh, Nick, you've got a you've got a zombie story in there with me. We co-wrote that one together. I do, and i i I thought we uh, I thought we did a really good job with uh, a different angle of infection. I, I think so. There's definitely room to come back. Um, we're definitely uh, keeping an eye towards uh, potential expanding that into your comic book world uh, for a setting. I think that would be so damn fun to draw. Yeah. So with, the problem is, is your day job kind of wrote. 
Yeah. Your day job wants you to show up and like guard the border and stuff. Well, uh, if, the more they support these books, the less I need the day job and I can just do this full time. There you go. There you go. And then you can start hiring people. Like um, those poor college students, they just need a job. Like, okay, draw me a stick figure. All right, I'll give you yes. 50 cents. And I'll, I'll pay them pennies under the dollar, like a sweatshop. And <laughs> so, so, I'll just Maddie, can you draw dream. stick figures? Are, are we going to be able to hire you for this? Oh, she paints majestic mosaics. I can't <laughs> afford her. Oh, she's too rich for your book. All right, all right. So we were talking about the common tropes. Do you think there are any common character archetypes that belong in Slasher? I've kind of got the opinion that part of what makes them so good is they've got a little bit of everybody as far as uh, the characters that are involved. I, I haven't noticed a pattern. They've actually got a, uh, a guide um, in a lot of the, uh, a lot of the movie making where it basically tells you what you need for a good murder story. Um, Sean, I've seen a pinwheel. Yes. Like a, like you uh, spin yeah, it. And literally. Like, right, cool. and, okay, you're going to be this person. You're going to be that person. You're going to be this person. So, and then they just write the script as they go along. Yeah. 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 Me and Maddie were actually talking about this um, about a week ago. And Scream kind of breaks it all down for you. They give you the rules. The to-dos, the not-to-dos, and the people behind it. You have the cheerleader type. You have the emo type. You have the couple. You have the virgin, you know, and and Scream really took you have the, the time to say, abusive father, the, yeah. <laughs> here's the rules. Where do you fit? Well, basically, yeah. Abby says, JR knows nothing. Ignore everything he just said. Yeah, listen to Maddie. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Scream really, really breaks everything down a lot, especially when it comes down to the script. That's why it's kind of come a little more easy to me because, I, I mean, it breaks everything down. It's very obvious, and it, it really just shows what's needed, what's in everything, where it goes, where it belongs. It It's a really good example. Don't have sex, don't do drugs, don't drink, and never say, I'll be right back. What, so, what about the parody of Scream called Scary Movie? They got a parody of Scary Movie. But, it, but, but, uh, but that one, the Scary Movie, I think shows... It basically purposely shows every trope that's in a horror story, yeah, including, including the including this weird thing where where all this stuff is going on, all this stuff has happened, and and they need to get evidence. But the the it's like the father comes by, he cleans up the phone, hangs it up, he puts yeah. things away, does all this other days, and, and the father's going, "What in the hell is he doing?" And you realize, "Oh yeah, this is a parody." It's like so need evidence, but he cleans up all the evidence. And so his rooms are I'm sorry, Jared, go ahead. Or or so, the gun, the knife, the hatchet, or whatever, and the person chooses the paper clip. So right. I think um I, I said Scream earlier was the one I watched. I, I he just corrected it and I realized I'd actually been watching scary movie, the the spoofs, and that's what I when I said spoofs. Movie, yeah. I don't think I've actually seen Scream, and we might have to fix that. For, uh, for oh, my Lord, uh, JR. Oh, my, my gosh. Oh, 
just a warning by the way um scary movie and scary movie too it is not meant for those under the age of 18. <laughs> No, no it's very whatever. explicit. It's very I did like that like, weird. The, the chick, the scream queen, tripped. They all looked at her and went, What did you trip What are you on? tripping over? And Jason's over here being like, Bitch, just be tripping, yo. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, um, yeah, so I, here, here's what I, I, I just want to touch on uh, the Scream franchise and how it kind of revolutionized horror, especially slasher flicks. Um, it was so self aware. It, it was the beginning of self-aware horror and that's what I call it. There's probably a more better term, more specific term for it. And, and it even plays into the parodies where the parodies are just as laughable as what they're parodying, you know, uh, with the self-aware horse. Like they, you know, you had Jamie Kennedy who's like, Oh, you don't know about the rules. There's the rules, you know? And he went, he just chimed on for three, three movies where I was like, I like him as an actor, but can he die already? You annoying, <laughs> annoying person. He died in the second one. Did he die annoying. in the second one? Okay, yeah, he died in the second one. Too many. That's, just, I mean, I wish they would have left him to the third VHS. movie and let him die, so I could enjoy a little bit more. You die, you watery bag of fish. Later. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So, um, it was weird because it was this weird time of cinema, and I and I'll call it cinema. It's a it's a fine film, Finn. But uh, where you have this mainstream movie that's making fun of itself and it's completely self-aware of the tropes that are introduced years prior, decades prior, you know, and then you have a spoof, which is just as believable as what they're spoofing. And I've never seen that before in cinema in my entire life. Granted, I've only been on this planet 45 years, but I've seen a lot of shit because <laughs> you know? I have a lot of time on my hands. So. I just thought it was amazing that like people would bring up um, like Jr. did, like he he'd seen scary movie or he'd seen parts of scary movie and he related it to the Scream franchise, where the two are interchangeable, and that I don't think that's ever been done before. You know, where the spoof was just as believable as the film that they were spoofing, and it's just it's it's really enjoyable closest, to watch. And even the closest I've seen is the Star Trek and the Galaxy Quest. That is. Galaxy Quest needs like ten sequels. That was such a great movie. Even yeah, though it was, was very track. well done. It's yeah. very well acted and very well done. I thought it was great. I'm a huge fan. I I think my next cosplay is gonna be a Galaxy Quest cosplay, and then I'm gonna flip off Trekkies. It's gonna be awesome. I better not be. I ready. don't know if I want to do a cosplay. I like the uh, uniforms from the uh, Forbidden Planet. But I don't know that I've got yeah. the figure for the spandex, uh, not since I left the army. Um, it was so. a mixed blend polyester cotton. You'll be fine. <laughs> so I can sew that for you, you know. Okay, so you're a seamstress. Hey, my, my wife can embroider it for you, too. There you go. I think when it comes to horror movies in general, you have to have that adrenaline dump. But when it comes to slashers, it's a mixture of the adrenaline dump, the calm, a little bit of like, oh, like I, I feel for them. And then the last. I don't feel for them. I hope they all die. And the relief that, oh, they finally made it. No. I think the, and I've told this story to Nick 
purple type. Near misses. That's the other thing. The near misses where the person's about to get killed, but for whatever reason, just don't. It just didn't happen. And I'm left disappointed, damn it. So I want to see the color of that man's. I liver. went to see the hills have eyes. Um, the remake in theater with all my girlfriends. We got off work, we went to see it. Packed theater, we're in the front row. So we're watching. Where does it take place? In Nevada. The Hills of Eyes? Yeah. Oh, I love that movie. In Nevada. It takes place in Nevada, just outside of, um, actually just outside of Nevada, or outside of Las Vegas, um, in between Amagrosa and Moapa, right by the test site. Yep. Just saying. <laughs> but um, there was no intro to the movie at all. Like, at all. So we're sitting there, we're watching all the previews, and I love the previews because I I love knowing what's coming out and what to look forward to. So I'm sitting there watching it, and all of a sudden this guy is hiking a mountain, and then bam, axe in the head. And I'm like, I jumped so bad that I threw my nachos and they landed on the guy behind me. Oops. So I'm over the seat, cleaning him up. It looks totally inappropriate. The guy's like, stop, stop, stop touching me. I'm like, I'm so sorry. He's like, you're fine. He got up to go clean himself. He brought me nachos. Like, I'm the one that threw him. You didn't have to bring me new nachos. I felt so bad. But before he got up to walk away, I looked back at my girlfriend's with my butt in the air and my face over the seat. And I'm like, girls, I don't know what movie that is, but we need to see it. And he looks at me and he goes, that's the Hills of Eyes. You're watching the movie right now. Well, not right now, because you're backwards in your seat. And I'm like, already the best money I've spent. <laughs> and what's that opening scene with you know, before you get any of the actors' names, the the intro, there was nothing. It was just this guy hiking, and then he got axed in the head. <laughs> it's perfect. So when you when you do your scripts, because I've never actually talked to anybody that's writing a script before. So when you're writing your horror script, do you like how do you act it out in your head? Do you like go practice with your siblings or your roommates or whatever? Like how do you practice? Because a lot of movies fail what I call the Barbie test, which means generally speaking, they have the human body bending and moving in ways that just don't work. Um, you see that especially in some romance novels. I'm just if you know, you know. Um, you like you really have to detach your leg and move it around. like it just things don't work that way. I see that in horror novels too, where I'm like, if, if that guy was really fighting that way, like he's ripped his own arm off a few times. So yeah. how do you handle that when you're writing your script? Do you lean into the to the farcical nature of it or do you try to get it realistic? Hand wave him. Hand wave him. No, you Maddie. <laughs> yeah, you gotta mute yourself there, girl. <laughs> okay, boomer. There we go. <laughs> okay, boomer. 
She's muted again. <laughs> you literally just unmuted okay. yourself. Come on. It said I. It kept saying I was unmuted, but I don't. I don't know what's happening. It's probably you gotta a connection give it two issue. Seconds. You gotta give it two um, seconds. honestly, I try to keep it kind of realistic, kind of not realistic, kind of in the middle to where it make like a good script and end up. Hopefully, if I can make it into a movie, actually make it look, you know, good, believable, real. But I don't want to make it like so fake to the point where people are like, "That that doesn't look real. That doesn't look real at all." Right. Man, let me ask you a quick question: Would you rather be behind the camera or just writing the script? Do you want to direct at some point? Um, I'd like to do a lot of the screenwriting. I I would like to do a little directing, but I I'm kind of more on the screenwriting side. The script, or, or maybe just a cinematographer, the actual eyepiece of the director who has a lot of input in how things are shot. A lot of people don't know that. I'm actually a little into cinematography right now. I'm trying to also kind of get into that a little bit, but it's just a lot right now with the whole script writing, and it's it's just a lot. I'm trying to mainly focus on script writing and kind of do cinematography on the side. Now, word on the street is you also draw. You ever think about doing comic books and being the cinematographer, director? <laughs> don't fall for writer. it. He's trying to draw you into it. Don't, don't, don't fall for it. I've already fallen for it once. Um, oh no! I've I've actually been kind of working on my drawings a little bit. I I have a lot of things to show you, but. Just been so busy, so caught up. If anybody is going to be able to describe exactly how somebody trips going up the stairs, it's going to be Maddie. Well, her and Joe Biden. on the stairs so Abby can trip on her. You're in luck, Maddie Stabby. Your Uncle Nick's here for you. He's going to teach you everything you need to know, kid. Stick with him. See this? (laughs) My wing. You're under it. <laughs> All right. So just pray he's had had a good shot of uh, you know right guard. Yeah. <laughs> or left guard because that was my left wing. True true story that most people don't realize this, but when he was uh, with the Marine uh, with Marine with, with the Raiders. Marines, what? Why do you why would you just say something so controversial? Because the Marines have been on my mind because they lost the plane this week. Right? Oh my god, how do you lose an eighty billion dollar plane? Yeah, so the jokes write themselves, and uh, all of the service, even the Space Force and the Coast Guard, now get to mock the U.S. Marine Corps. Sean has just updated us, sir, that they have found that plane. Probably a bunch of Marines walking through the woods with a key fob to the (laughs) F-35. I hear it! (laughs) They walk right by it, but they can't see it because it's in stealth mode. But... um, but yeah, so like the, the secret was that when you were actually behind the trigger, it wasn't actually your bullets that were killing them. You would just rub the bullets under your armpit and then shoot by them, and then they'd kill themselves because they just didn't want to didn't want to smell something so foul like that again. True story. I'm sorry, Stabby. You have to hear that horrible thing about your husband. Well, you probably lived with it, so you know. Um, depends on the day. Yeah. <laughs> I just want you to know, dear listener, that joke landed better in my head, all right? Yeah, I and it will help. Okay. What the hell is that? Well, I didn't realize you were <laughs> muted, so I was talking, but so, then I realized you were both muted. So that's, that's a thing. 
Um, okay, baby. So here, oh, go ahead. Um, yeah, sometimes he sticks, sometimes he doesn't, but it does not compare to our dog Domino. He could clear Ooh. a building. Okay, so we've we've talked about slasher as a film genre. Do you think it could work as like a game or in comics or in any other visual or written medium? Words, Nick. People are not always watching. Some of them are listening. Maddie, speak up before Uncle Nick takes over. Um, <laughs> honestly, I've seen because I have a couple comics where they try to throw in a little horror slasher kind of thing in there i think it could work if if whoever's writing the comics tried hard enough i don't know i haven't seen it personally so it's just something i'm waiting to see i guess i think it could work out though okay y'all ready all right lay it on we already have a myriad of video games that portray the slasher genre. We have Dead by Daylight. We have the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We have Friday the 13th. We have some other ones going on right now in development. So, Viet Medium Seven is... Seven Days to Die. Seven Days to Die. Oh, thank you very much. So, we got a multitude of video game genre. Also in the comic books, you have Ash versus the Evil Dead. You have Ash versus Freddy versus Jason versus the Evil Dead. You have Ash versus Ash. Two different properties. Ash versus Hellraiser. So, like, Ash if you wins. get the, if you get, um, the day, the most creative persons, most creative minds involved, yeah, you can cross platform, you can cross medium, so easy. I just played the Texas Chainsaw video game, made me want to hit a small puppy with a hammer, because I never got to be Leatherface. I was always the victim, and I start off in his little, uh farm his little garage his little barn and i have to escape and every little move i make just sends a signal to them and they chase me down and cut me up um when i was dead playing uh, dead by daylight's very similar and that's probably that, the original. that's what happens in dead by daylight that that's, that's what the happens. original game that that's pretty much the game that set <clears throat> off all these other games like friday the 13th and and texas chainsaw massacre you know and dead I'm dead not, by daylight had had mods too so you could have uh, michael myers you could have jason you could have freddy krueger you could have all this i think there's one with pinhead from the hellraiser um series um they're great games they're frustrating as hell but they're great games they're fun as hell when you get to play the bad guy when you get to play the villain when you get to play and i've always in the slashers i always consider the slashers the uh, protagonist not the antagonist no, because I want to see all these spoiled little. I think the kids original die. zombie game or zombie-fied, alien-fied game is probably uh, Half Life. I think Half -Life, that yeah. game was the is is the king of all the other games, and then it's yeah. on uh, Counter Strike uh, via Valve yes. software developed Counter Strike, which is probably yeah. one of the most popular games ever. Turned into Counter Strike Two, turned into uh, Counter Strike uh, C, uh, well, CS Go. Now it's Counter Strike yeah. Two. It's the granddaddy to Call of Duty. I'll tell you that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's 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 no modern stuff. About it. Yeah, uh, there is uh, the type of movie, the monster movies that I think are also part of the horror movies. My first one that I saw was on TV, but it was called The Blob. The Blobs. What the fifties version? Fifties version. The original fifties uh, version. Probably one of the best best made ones ever because i mean here you see this 
this thing it's it's not very big but it goes up to the supply and it goes and it captures the fly how they did that i'm not sure but it, it looks like this could just gooey tappy type material and people yeah. touch it and then they die the thing would just well, grow and you get yeah, eaten it, by it just and... absorbed all the organic material uh um, oh yeah i think the remake probably illustrated that further um yes. Or it, it grabbed onto a dude and his arms were outside of the blob material. And I think it was his girlfriend. She's like, oh my God, I'm going to help you. And it's like the blob straight just dissolving his organic material. Yeah. And she, like rap. Pops, pops off, pops off his arms. Arms You know, they're all flopping around and you just see him just like slowly <laughs> go from like flesh human to like he's a skull and then his skull's <laughs> gone, but his eyeballs are still there. Oh, so yeah. weird. Oh my God. I love that picture so much. It's probably one of my favorite Jason movies. I'll, we could do another hour on this. Ash, Ash there versus we go. the Evil Dead. Yep. That's a oh, the Mummy's Ghost. The I Mummy's just Ghost. Watched that yeah, that two was days ago. The Mummy oh, is good. Lord. Dracula's daughter. This is all. Th- these can these all be seen on um, Peacock mm-hmm. on the Peacock streaming service. Just to let everybody know, Peacock, you owe me twenty five dollars. This is what <laughs> all of them. Holy cow. Yeah. We got Mike. Mike. Got Mike Jason. Leatherface. Jason. Ready. Wow. Yeah. So I just went through, uh, because I have to use fair use doctrine because we don't want to get copyright strikes. So I'm lo- limited to some of the graphics that are in there. But we got some of the classics as Clay. I don't know. I could see a wax house being the perfect setting for a horror movie because they're already creepy. Oh, yeah. It's that yes. uncanny valley. So, um, the do you think so? Is, go ahead. Well, the waxing museum is a, is a good example. That'd be perfect. I mean, so, you you have a uh, Vincent Price and beautiful. Then you uh, what's that other one? Uh, uh, Puppet Master, the movie Puppet that's Master. A good one. Yeah, that's a good one. An excellent movie. Excellent. If you if you ever get a chance to see that movie, see it. It is beautiful. They're so very well made. Yeah, they're well made and they're funny. Yes. And I think it's probably one of the things I like about it. I, I like uh horror comedy, especially if it's linked to the you know the horror genre or the slasher genre or yep. subgenre. Um I think those are probably some of the well most well written because I think comedy and horror are very Vampire in Brooklyn as as writing. Vamp- with oh, Eddie Murphy, Vampire. It was so Brooklyn. gory. It was not what I was expecting when I saw that. No, movie. it was very gory, but it was very well made. They they knew what they were doing when they made that movie. It's like wow. Yeah, uh, okay. I have to agree with you. Can you tell, is, that, is that a Ginsu or is that a Shun knife? I can't tell. And those movies always like to. Uh, they're very self aware. They pick fun at themselves. Um, and the genre. It's like oh. I'm... You know, like if the vampire can just walk around, you're like, wait, don't you need my permission? He's like, man, this ain't no damn movie. You know, so trying to, trying to film a crime. <laughs> uh, she's about to commit a crime. So Mine's fancier. Yeah. <laughs> so Nick, that question you, you and Savvy, you and Savvy asked in the side chat that, uh, that we were supposed to get to. Why don't you ask that one? See See if we get this discussion going deeper. Oh, about location? Yes. Do you think... I'll, I'll just ask the question and everyone can just kind of round robin in. Um, 
utilize my position as co-host. Uh, do you think location is uh, is pivotal in a slasher movie? Maddie. And I'm going. I'm going mute. Campground. You said location. Village or or city or town. Oh. Out in the middle of nowhere. So yeah, you think isolation like... is key? Isolation, I think. What about you, Maddie? I think kind of more like isolation or like small town, you know. I I don't I don't think like a big city would really work, you know. So like small, closed in, like there's really nowhere to go, nothing to do. So do well, they ever Maddie, I'm gonna pick your creative brain here. Um you're you muted, Nick. You make it work in a big city if you created that isolation, like the purge. Um. Yeah, because for instance, the new Scream movie, and like you said, the purge. I I think those movies kind of worked. Me personally, I wasn't a big fan of the new Scream movie because of. Okay, I liked it. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I liked it. I just didn't like yeah, the killers and their reason to be the killers. But I, I think they did a pretty good job of trying to make it work in the big city because, I mean, you had the points where there's a lot of people, like you have a lot of people nearby, maybe they can help you out. But then again, there's a lot of people who anybody can be this killer trying to attack you. So I, I think it just kind of depends on how the person or the writer goes on it themselves. But if you want to talk location with a big city, but a small town fill and to keep you on topic with what you were just talking about, scream three. They're in Hollywood. They're yeah. on a movie set. They're in the Beverly Hills and they make it feel like a small town, but they're in LA. Yeah. I I wasn't really the biggest fan of Scream 3, so I I don't I don't go out of my way to do a lot of research on that. I th I thought it was really boring, honestly. What about Jason in Manhattan? I like that. Interesting point. I know a lot of people don't like Jason in Manhattan, but I like it. I, I like one of my top five Jason movies. I, but I like Matt pretty much all of the Jason movies. May May I remind you, Jason X. Space, but that definitely Area gives you a small space uh, feel because they're all trapped on the spaceship. Yeah, so you definitely I, I think have just that confinement. Yeah, Maddie, would you think that uh, Jason X? You've seen Jason X, right? I've seen most of it. Yeah. You and you've seen Alien or Aliens. Yeah. You think like that merger creates the isolation? I do. I think once you're that far in space, you're far enough where nobody can help you right away. Where you're confined to a spaceship, there's nowhere to really run if you think about it. I think that I that type of isolation is scarier than being in a small town. What do you think? Yeah. 
if you, I, if you take I was going to say yeah. pretty much the same thing. I think Verbatim. that just adds Probably. kind of, I, I think it adds a, like a newer level of like being scared, you know, rather more than just like, oh, what's, what's going to happen? It, it, it just, it adds more to it, honestly. I, I think it's better no, I agree with than you. being I isolated in like a small town. You know you can kill the alien. You don't know how to kill Jason, and now he's in space. And you can't call 911. <laughs> well, you can always put on, you know, spacesuits and then just open up all the valves and just vent everything into space. See, that's what I would do, Sean. Right. Like, wrap my come, arm yeah. Because somehow, some way, Jason, you know, in three in three to five minutes, Jason wouldn't be able to breathe. Don't care if he's, you know, supernatural or not. He'd have to come out from somewhere. Or you say, okay, I'm going to take you with me, and you burn yourself up in the atmosphere. I'm sorry, 5,000 degrees Celsius. Jason, <laughs> you're crispy crittered, and you're done. What I, what I like about that, Sean, is that it no longer is my problem. Well, even... You know, yep. Whatever well, outcome after I shoot him out of space lock, it's not my problem. Even if we're going to circle lock, yep. back, even if we're going to circle back um, and scream, too, they're at a major university. They're, they're in college. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's giving you that small town feel, that confinement feel, even if you're in a large space. I do think that that is a big part of it. Yeah. So we will we will remind you, dear listener, if you've got opinions on this, feel feel free to comment in the comment section on the podcast, on the YouTube disc, uh, YouTube. Bit shoot rumble maybe odyssey will be finally working by then and uh and on the facebook group so our link tree will have all of that we'll give you the link at the end of the show but uh, feel free to join the discussion because uh there's definitely room for everyone to say um you know what's going on and if we get enough comments we might revisit it and just read some of those comments uh and make well, that an even, episode even in psycho you know they, you have the really big house it's uh three stories attic Second story, first story, up oh, technically four because there's a basement. It's a pretty big house. The motel is decently sized, but it's just a little bit off the beaten track. Not too much because he walks to the diner. No, it's still, so no, it's still isolation. It's it's off the beat, beaten track, but it's on a major highway. So they talk about and they really talk about that. And I think you're introducing a new trope. But it well, gives you trope, that small town discussed gives you that small time feel well think think about it some of the horror films that that have been some of the you know like alien horror films like aliens Uh, you you go on you go on to the or the alien movie um the nostromo if you've ever actually taken a look at the nostromo as a ship overall it's not the ship itself it's basically a giant space tug it's not that big it's not that big of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a ship, but you have all the duct work, you have all the, the engineering spaces, the other places that were, where airflow goes and water goes, et cetera, to operate the ship. And everybody gets killed in different places by the aliens. Uh-huh. And it's and it, it just, it, it's insane. Now, what I don't like is the fact that you had these people they get this thing this this thing they go down to the planet and they're trying to check things out and it's like oh, wait a second okay here's these things 
all over the floor. We don't know what they are, but we see this alien guy there with the thing like chest is exploded. And my first thing would be like, yeah, nuke it for morbid just to be sure. That 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 would be my that would be my my response, period. Because I mean I've seen enough horror films <laughs> before this point. Yeah, nuke it for morbid. So here's a quick question. Um and we can round robin it real quick. I'll go on mute as soon as I ask. But what do you guys think makes a slasher so scary? I think for, I think the idea that, I mean, it's really kind of impersonal to shoot someone from a distance. I mean, very few people are looking at a high powered scope enough that you can, you know, tell how much change is in their pocket and what denomination the coins are. Most people, when you're shooting things, it, it, there's enough of a distance that it's not as personal. When you're stabbing someone, you're like, what's that famous qu quote from Bunker Hill? Wait till you can see the whites of their eyes. Like there's something to be said for getting that close. It makes it more visceral. And I think that's what makes it scarier. I think that's a very good point, JR. I think it's the invasion of personal space. Um, as we progress as a society, they're like, we're not really comfortable with people being in what we call the bubble. So it's an invasion of personal space, uh, the isolation and the potential that whatever is hunting you or killing your friends could possibly be one of your own. So it adds a distrust factor. So you feel like a man on an island, you know. So you have that saying, no man is an island. Well, in those horror movies, distrust starts, you know, going rampant like a disease, like something viral. Um, so they don't, they distrust everybody. There's an invasion of personal space. There's a, a sense of isolation, you know, like who's going to help me? And it's, you know, like no one's going to help you. You're on your own. You got you to gotta face this crazy psychopath that wants to do you harm in probably the most painful way possible. So I think those couple of things is what makes the slasher so makes it personal and it makes it so horrific and it makes it so scary is that it, you know, it's going to be in your face. Like you said, What about you, uh, Maddie and Sean? Um, honestly, I think the same thing. The invasion of personal space, the isolation. And personally, I would say the suspense, because if, if you really get the suspense going and building up so much, it kind of gets you thinking. And if the suspense in the movie builds up towards the character, I think it really gets the character thinking and kind of adds a bit more story and like interesting things about the character so it really gets you thinking it's the character thinking and it it just adds up to a lot and sean you got any thoughts yes the most important thing in any slasher film in fact pretty much any horror film timing just flat out timing i mean if you have somebody, you know, they walk up to their door, they open the door, and then all of a sudden, and they're all of a sudden dead. That's okay. Yeah. Oh, jump factory. But what the heck? Well, there's no ifs, no ands, no ways, no what. Where are they at? What are they doing? Who's this person? It could be timing. Now, depending upon the film, 
like you talked about all of a sudden this guy is walking along in the desert and all of a sudden this hatchet axe or whatever comes out of nowhere and he's dead then it starts the film that's a great intro to okay how this happen and you're invited but it's eyes. always timing exactly it, it's always timing i mean if in the film psycho the woman had gotten done with her shower as they had wanted to for her to step out and then she'd be murdered no they changed it and uh from what i read and from what i've seen and heard they changed it and said okay she's uh the the curtain's going to open up and and she's going to be stabbed you know and then and then she pulls the curtain down and it's like clink 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 and you see the blood going down the drain or the dark stuff that they use for blood going down the drain because it's black and white perfect timing when they made it the most classic ever scenes in all of horror movies anywhere probably in, in all cinema because nobody can forget that scene ever if you ever seen it if you ever heard about it nobody can forget that scene ever because it was good timing the birds same thing timing i think all of you guys have great points and they all make perfect sense mine might not make as much sense the music Yes. Because I've noticed I'm not as scared of certain scenes if I mute the TV. Exactly. If I don't hear that music, I'm not scared of what's about to happen. It's that build of the music. Bob. Exactly. Jaws. Three notes and you Three have a villain. Three notes and you have a villain. Exactly. And same thing with Halloween. You yeah. hear that theme song and you're like, Yes, yes, yes. And, you're, um, you're like, okay, yeah. In Friday the 13th, you have the. <laughs> you know? And it's always that, it's the score. It's the score. And I think the music gives you that that last aspect that brings Branding you identity. And you're so immersed in the dark in the scene what the killer is doing seeing what the person is doing wanting the person to run but the music is telling you a whole different story and i don't think we could have slashers or even just horror movies without that without the scores because you said it yourself with the with the um psycho one you know you get that and everybody knows that sound as psycho. So I even think if they don't know what the sound is from, they recognize it on some almost instinctual level because it's entered the cultural zeitgeist. I didn't know that's what the movie that was from, but everyone's seen the mocking of it, you know, in, in tertiary levels throughout the um, progression of film. So let me ask you this, because I'm a practical guy, and I've seen the jokes about Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings earns, ends a little bit differently if you equip the uh, the the protagonist with a pistol, right? Or or insert firearm of choice. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's pretty much every <laughs> movie you, that's you know, requires you know a magical Eagles, Can we just travel over here and drop the thing into the throat of the of, of the Mount Doom in the so, movie? 
done. How do they in film in a world that they're filming these where modern firearms existed? Because I don't think I've ever seen a slasher film from like pre-gunpowder as a setting. Not saying they don't exist. And if you know of any, comment to us because I'd be interested in watching. But how do they justify the fact that nobody has a gun to just end it? They always go for the gun, but the gun some the gun somehow escapes their grasp. I'm like, well, and then you got movies like the Nightmare on Elm Street series, where a gun's not going to help you at all, you know, because it has no effect in the dream world. They so tried I think the D and D approach on that one and did didn't quite work. Yeah, I I am Eric the the Wizard Master, you know, demon be gone, and then he just sticks four freaking knives in his guts, you know. But cool scene though. They used a gun on. They, they used sh- a gun on. Well, yeah, Loomis shot him like he, he emptied the whole the whole roll, the all six whole rounds. Roll. You know. He shot him until he fell out the window. You've got to stop the evil. You've got to stop the evil. You know. And it did. Nothing. Oh yeah, let's go ahead and just hit him in the chest. Uh, hello. Mozambique here. How have you ever practiced Mozambique? Dude, the chest, yes. one of the head, or to yeah. the head, one of the chest. Either way, well, you get any Ewok bet. If the <laughs> brains aren't there, the body doesn't work. Yeah, pretty much simple science. Yeah, that's what the uh, um, the Mozambique drill would definitely end a lot of threats. Uh, to the chest, face gets the rest was how they taught us to remember it. They smacked Michael yep. Myers with an iron. In Halloween Kills. And Iron. And he all dies tonight. Yeah. <laughs> he got schooled. So, so speaking of the, the bad guy, do you think the motivation for the bad guy matters? Or is he more just the foil that the characters throw themselves against, metaphorically? I, I think it does matter. I think, it um, does. I think the more reason or motivation you give to the killer, I think the less scary it becomes. I, I think um, I think the backstory kind of ruins it for people you know why is this person trying to kill us doesn't matter he's trying to kill you i think that's why michael myers was so terrifying is because he just picked out somebody that knocked on his door and just like yep that's the one that's the one i'm going to torment tonight you know there was no rhyme or reason to it It it's uh like predatory it's animal kingdom stuff it's a lion out in the jungle you know um, I have this need that needs to be fulfilled. You just happen to be there. Uh, movies like uh, The Strangers, if you've ever seen that, or the sequel, it's their motivation is completely arbitrary. It's they, She even asked in the first one, she's like, why are you doing to this? She's like, because you were home. And I think that makes it more terrifying that there's people in the world or something like that exists out in the world, outside of cinema, outside of film outside of the uh, the nonfiction area. I, th- I think one they, of the movies where, where they're works, motivated by the fact that you're just there. Yeah, yeah. I, I think one of the movies that where that works is um, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Oh, those are oh, scary. Yeah. Absolutely. Was that the, that, that right was there, one... I Know What You Did Last Summer. That movie was uh, I, you didn't know where it was coming from. It, it, yeah. You just didn't know. And it was like, Wow. It actually, I thought that movie took a lot of people who were used to horror movies out of their comfort zone. Yeah, it was it was a game changer. 
it changed the genre along with Scream. And that's what I liked. Like Scream started the, the neo-horror. And then we get, I know you did last summer, which added to the new rules for neo-horror. You know, it's just, and it's been stacked on each other. And then it, <laughs> there was a, getting parodied by itself. There was a one, um, yeah, thanks for, uh, um, Savvy for telling me the final destination is a good example where that logging truck, because no one ever thinks we're going to, you know, kill you randomly with a giant piece of wood while you're driving down the highway. You think once you're in the car and you're getting away, you're safe. And then the news horror is like, ah, I'm going to see what, what makes you feel safe and I'm going to yank that away from you. And you that know, I, whole generation. I get out of the way when a logging truck comes by. I still pull pull off the, oh, and I'm sure the truck driver loves that shit, but. Uh, logging truck carrying uh, any type of cylindrical thing on the back that's long and heavy. <laughs> like no, uh, that's what she said. Yep, that, I'm, that is, that I'm pulling off to the side. I'm, I'm gonna let them pass. Yeah, give them uh, give them room to turn. <laughs> just, you give just you a wide your... berth, sir. You do you. <laughs> what was that one movie? It was um, this guy. It was like 1970s. He was driving along. He was at a. Uh, he was at a. Uh, uh, gas station and he filled up his car and got some coffee or drink or something got in the car and took off and he was followed by a diesel truck you never saw the guy in the truck but the, he tried no, no, no he tried his 1970s and he tried to keep running this guy off the road keeps chasing down the guy has an old car and the car keeps like overheating and he yeah. tries to and he gets up to the top of the hills like and then finally makes it over the hill and goes down the hill and lets it idle while going down the hill and it cools off and it starts back up again. He, then the chase is on again. That was for, for its day, probably one of those most terrifying things ever because Duel. what was it called? Duel. Duel. Yes. Because the truck, because you try to get help from people and the truck would kill him. Mm-hmm. It's directed by Steven Spielberg. Yep. That's a Spielberg movie. Yep. 1971. No kidding. Pre-Jaws. Yep, 1971, yeah. Dennis Weaver. Uh, well, and it also brings you to like Maximum Overdrive. That was another scary one. A Stephen King novel or novella. Yep. Yep. Maximum that Overdrive. Yeah. So now we have to like... Joyride. Well, enjoy it. We have to discuss, does the slash axe, does he need to be human? I don't think so. Because see, here's my thing. Does he need to be a man if, or a woman? If we're going to discuss, does their their background matter, right? That's what we were talking about? Yeah. You have Michael Myers, who they say was just born evil. You have Jason Voorhees, who was disfigured, died in the water because people weren't paying attention, and then he came back to life because his mom died. Or he wasn't dead to begin with. Yeah. And then you have Freddy, who they don't ever say it until the third movie. Um, the, yeah. the remake. They don't say it until the remake, but they insinuate what he did to kids. Yeah, he was just a child killer. Killer. Like, and then when um, they did the remake, they really kind of they dug deep into his background and his background was a little bit more than just killing a little darker a little darker 
Well, I think it focused, uh, I think the third movie actually covered a lot of it. It was when he was, uh, when he was trying to, uh, 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 he was trying to tell him not, uh, you know, hurt him, but they basically had all the parents of all the children that had been killed. They trapped him in, in this industrial place and they, they yeah. lit the place on fire and he literally burned to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think they never, the... but they never quote unquote found the body. Right. Right. They don't talk about the fact that they found the body until they just found his glove. Right, but then they talked about it in number. Freddy's dead. Freddy's dead. Oh. What do you mean? No, you're you're gonna argue with me? The aficionado is Nightmare on Elm Street. But I thought it was um the one with the kids in the the asylum. It's Freddy's dead. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Then I'm gonna so, my well, and then there was Freddy versus Jason, where they kind of uh, extended a little bit more, but they never found his body. It burned all like so that brings the series. Yeah. So Nick, what you, guys, what you guys are talking about is the way the obscenity code laws changed over time. It allowed movie producers to do different things than they used to. That meant that you saw more of the graphic horror and less of the psychological horror because you had to show it, which meant you could rely on. St- props and special effects instead of dramatic acting i think right. to some degree as a larger rule of film it's it's been to the detriment of acting capabilities having said that specifically with um slasher films and horror in general do you feel like films have gotten better since they could show more of the violence or was it better in like the hitchcockian era where it was like just total fear factor and it, it was dramatic I don't know, man. I've been called a boomer so many times on Twitter, even though I'm a Gen Xer. Well, I mean, well, I can't. Yeah, well, people, people like to be let's scared. Let's ask Maddie. Yeah, Maddie, what do you think? I think Maddie probably answered this the best. What was the question? I'm sorry. I've I've had horrible what, connection. I'm not. I'm not sure if you guys you saw. Like, what do you like? Um, what is different uh, from from like the Hitchcockian style films? To this modern slashers where they're allowed to do a lot more the the obscenity laws have changed to where they can show more gore and more things versus do you think the more more yeah. input now is better or do you like the uh the subtlety of older films where it alludes to danger it alludes to motivation it relied a lot on innuendo honestly i hate modern day horror movies and slashers i why why tell us because they're not as subtle as let's say a movie from the 80s 70s i i like how subtle it is rather than there's so much input in the new horror films i i I think it's just it's too much i think they just there's a line for a certain extent and i feel like a lot of modern day horror kind of passes that line and it, it like it, it kind of makes me a little bored because of how much input there is do you think modern horror kind of holds your hand and walks you through it to and tells you what you're supposed to be scared of and what you're supposed to be reacting to as opposed to movies from the 90s 80s 70s and, and back that way yeah i i feel like it really walks you through a lot of it it it's it takes some it, of the fun out don't it yeah, it takes a lot of the fun out. It's it's not as good as just like 
let's say scream for example you're constantly trying to guess oh okay who's the killer like this person's doing this that person's doing that it walks you through it guides you rather than just bringing that fun and joy into it i think there's 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 too much explanation of what's behind the whole plot yeah gotcha one of the coolest things that I noticed in my research, uh, did you know that one of the biggest reasons that Psycho was so scandalous was because they showed a belly button? Oh my god! Oh no. yes, yes, a belly right. button. It, it showed a belly button. Obscene because they showed a belly button. All for one second, but yep, that's all it took. <laughs> it's a belly button. That's the reason it was R, wasn't it? Well, I mean, you know, you start watching a movie, you really get into it, and you're like, wait a minute, why was this considered scandalous? Because when we watch movies like The Terrifier, you see everything. Yeah, you see head to toe where they're being slipped from where they're being slipped to everything um so i was looking into it i was like why did they consider psychos so scandalous like was it because she was in the shower was that just it they've the, never it shown that the belly button it was, strictly it was only for like a second uh, too, yep. uh, it, it was just uh, for a second. Yeah, you blink, you missed it. But but it violated. They um, they did it anyway. Hitchcock allowed it to happen, and because he was Hitchcock, it got put out there. Um, I think he pulled a lot of weight to do that because the obscenity laws. I forgot the specific names of them, but the obscenity laws they had said you cannot could not show a belly button. Um, it wasn't until years later, uh, like during the. Um, um, during uh, movies or uh, uh, TV shows, like uh, I Dream of Jeannie and and, uh, um, and original Star Trek and others, where they actually got the show belly buttons. Belly buttons. Yes. Yeah, belly buttons. Belly buttons. Belly buttons. That is an innie or an Audi. So now I'm remembering that reading the kids about Boynton Beach and the belly buttons. Uh, elephants, sorry. Um, so you know, I asked this as a kind of a joke in the in the side chat, but there are some things that people are inherently afraid of. Clowns being, for instance, one. Some people are just afraid of clowns. I can't think of a clown without thinking of Bozo and the you know pie to the face and the Otis Spunkmeyer cookies. Uh, for those of John you, John Wayne old, Gacy. Yeah, so what do you think about? Do you think it makes it scarier, or is that too person in the audience specific? I hate clowns. I'll leave it at that. I was more scared of Tim. Mimes. 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 Oh my God. They don't talk. There was a movie. There was a movie. Um, it was a foreign film. But basically, um, it it, it was all involving mimes. And the mimes were like, if you didn't pay, if you didn't tip the mimes, if you didn't pay the mimes, you suffered. They attacked you. No, they didn't really attack you. You suffered things that would happen to a mime, like trapped in a box or something was hot or wet oh, or something like wow. that. It was a foreign film. It was a short form film, but I'm like, you know, that'd be interesting. You know, we have 
We are the mimes. We don't talk, but we have the power to affect your life. Give me a tip or else, you know, that type of thing. There's too many of those in Las Vegas. We don't need to play with that. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So some places would be scarier for the, uh, for the props uh, than others to, uh, to mess with people. So, with with the uh, the movies, one of the things that you see sometimes in these horror movies is you have the lone survivor who's just there at the end, covered in blood. All of their friends are dead, and the cops show up, and you got the iconic scene of them sitting in the back of the ambo at the back of the ambulance with like the wool iconic blanket wrapped around their shoulders. But you never hear like crazy kid kills all their friends, arrested, claims the one eyed man did it, you know, and sent it, sent to the asylum kind of thing. Oh yeah, straight to the asylum. Right away. So how come we never, like, we always just end it in media res instead of showing the aftermath? Because, I mean, that could almost become its own psychological horror when you start seeing monsters behind every shadow now because you just went through this horrific event. I don't know. Probably because they like to clean up the craziness of a horror movie in a nice little pretty bow. I think it would be fun to see a horror movie, and I think someone like James Wan could probably pull this off. where it starts you in the middle of the slasher, like our typical slasher movie, like right towards the end. And then them having to deal with the aftermath to prove that they weren't the one that was slashing all their friends. I think that would be a, such a fun movie. I don't know. You could take a funny approach to it. Um, you could take a serious approach to it. I think either way would be enjoyable. I've had the same question and the same kind of curiosity about like the superhero movies where they're destroying insert, you know, mythical city here. And you're like, you're just seeing all this destruction. Like, can you imagine trying to be an insurance agent in those locations? Oh my Lord. I, I wrote a comic book script about that where depending on their power level, they had to have a certain level of insurance and it started <laughs> with a low leveled, low powered hero who could only afford like 10 K of insurance of like property damage. And I, I I'll probably, I'll, I'm going to revisit that because I still think that would be a fun story. That like, they, you can't they be made, involved Marvel in made that. either DC or Marvel made uh, a series about that. And, and the characters behind it, because this damage would happen and these people would come in and would rebuild some, uh, it's like this one guy's uh, hamburger joint restaurant got destroyed, but, they, they, uh, because he had had insurance, they and the ins- and the superheroes had insurance. They came in literally with a giant helicopter in this thing and, and put his restaurant back down and hooked everything back up almost with like instantly. Then they're like, you know, this is the insurance company. I, Thank you very much, and that's it. They actually there did was a comic called like Powers where they dealt with that. It was mostly on the law enforcement side, but they dealt with like superheroes having insurance. I think another one was. Uh, they made a movie out of it that had Ben Stiller in it. He was like Mr. Angry or something like that. Um, oh, you're talking um, about the um, um, Minute Work? No, uh, no, it was uh, what the hell was that called? No, Men in Black did do that. Kind Mystery of Men. Mystery, Mystery Men. That's it. He was yeah, Men in Black. Kind of... Go ahead. The superhero had like sponsorship all in his uniform, <laughs> like companies. You know, like politicians should wear. You know, should never <laughs> so, be for Men, Men in Black did something similar with the uh, with the little gun that you know, the little flash thing pin that would make people yeah. forget it was swamp gas or whatever. Like it was an attempt to cover like how do you 
if you've got this big, huge secret that is a secret, but it's so huge, how does it stay a secret? You kind of have to plot hole. You got to fill that plot hole or suspend disbelief hardcore. And sometimes that plot hole is too big to suspend that disbelief. You need right. to build a bridge over that chasm. Yep, uh, uh, it's called the neuralizer. The neuralizer, yeah. yeah. Greatest invention ever. I wish I had one. So if we circle back, though... I did to... not leave the toilet seat up. <laughs> if we circle back to, um, to what you guys were asking about, like, a movie with the aftermath, the, cl- the cleanup, or the convincing people that you're not the actual killer... Um, Two big franchises actually kind of touched on it. Um, Halloween, even though um, Carpenter did not want number two to be made because he didn't want that whole brother-sister thing to happen. But if you actually watch it, um, like they kind of show you Lori is having like PTSD. Nobody believed that it was Michael Myers, but now they're starting to realize it's Michael Myers, but they still can't find him. And they wind up killing the 17 year old boy that's dressed like him with the car. Like it's a whole thing. But then the other franchise I was thinking about is uh, Scream. And then number four, her the the main final girl Sydney Hunton becomes the murderer becomes Ghostface and she wants to kill everybody and be the final girl and she thinks that she killed everybody and is the final girl until she realizes that Sydney survived and so did Gail. And now she's trying to clean up the mess in the hospital. Like, it's it's wild. But they do show in those two uh, the trying to prove that, like, I didn't do it. But, I mean, in the one case, she totally didn't. I think, I think she tried proving it in a good way. But the way that they found out that she was Ghostface was when she was in the hospital and then she realized that Sydney and Gail were alive. She pretty much ratted herself out about her and Gail's her and Gail's no, she, matching scars. Matching scars. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what about you, uh, Maddie? What do you think about uh, some of the endings where they just leave it hanging instead of a wrap-up of how do you explain all these dead bodies and, you know, you're the only one alive? Because in a real world, Nick's, you're, you're law enforcement. You're suspecting that survivor of being the murderer, you know? Oh, yeah. The only one alive usually has the answers to my questions because everyone else is dead. Yeah. Um, I think usually the aftermath, like you said, when they kind of just – leave the bodies there kind of leave us hanging there it creates more room more space to make more movies just kind of give the final girl more of a storyline to kind of help build her character but me personally i hate it when we just kind of get left on a cliffhanger and everything's just there i hate it so much it makes me so mad 
But I do I do like it when they kind of wrap it up or in the end credit scene, they kind of show something saying that there's more room for uh, another upcoming movie. I just, I, I think it just kind of depends, honestly. We all walked out of Halloween Kills very disappointed. We're like, she just oh. left him in there? I wanted to punch it. Like she just child. left the basement. <laughs> After that, she movie. should know better. I was so mad. I'm like I want to kick a puppy. <laughs> that that's how mad this movie made me, or how mm. mad the movie made me. Yeah. Like, so for uh, the record, dear listener and podcastia land and on the interwebs, he did not kick a puppy. This was metaphorical. Please do not report I did not. it. I, I screamed in a pillow for about fifteen minutes. Why? Okay, so as we as we bring this home, because we've been going for two hours, uh, I will start with you, Maddie. What do you think if you wanted somebody was going to make their own modern um, horror slasher movie? What do you think is a good setup? Like, what would you do to set up the perfect slasher? Um, honestly, I I would do anything. Uh, a normal horror movie slasher would do back in the day, kind of base it all around revenge. Not not too much lore, not too much explanation, kind of right in the middle, perfect. A little comedy in between. Kind of just I don't I don't really know a word for it. Just retro. <laughs> retro, pretty much. Because retro. And I, I think you're you got so much ahead of you as far as modern filmmaking in that in that genre, I think if you went retro, it would be fresh and new. Yeah, it's so old it's new. Me personally, I I hate modern day uh, horror movies unless, uh, let's say, I know this isn't a movie, but 1984 of American Horror Story. I love how they take that back to the 80s. I think they did a very great job with that season. I think just kind of taking it back um making it a little subtle not not too much going on just kind of a lot of suspense makes it really good maddie i'm so proud of you right now did you watch fear street yes i love fear street a lot of people hate also had a 1984 i loved it i love fear street I, I love I love the whole storyline around it and how they took three separate movies to build the pretty much one whole movie on itself, the whole storyline itself. I loved it. It was amazing and, and how they took you back in time. It was perfect. Okay. What about you, uh, Sean? If you were going to build the perfect kind of horror movie, what would you lean into? The slasher specifically. He's muted. <laughs> <laughs> he he was on a point too. You could tell by the video. He's so, he's so muted. <laughs> oh, you were on a point, Sean. Continue. Let me point. start. Let me start that point again. Um, uh, reach over here and just you know, kick the choke and give it a pull. All right. Um, if I were to to make a, a horror film today, not really so much a slasher, but kind of one of those psychological thrillers that leads into being a slasher i would develop um someone who had a uh, disturbed childhood um nothing based upon revenge but a disturbed childhood and they had they meet they move into a neighborhood and they meet this best friend 
and his best friend lives at this house. And it's not the best looking house, kind of run down, but they live at this house and this friend talks them into doing things and their friend goes and does things that they shouldn't do. They you know set somebody's house on fire. They call somebody's brakes to, you know, go out. I'm just using this as an example. And um, after, you know, people have died and have, you know, end up, end up dead and, and killed and slashed and all sorts of things, this friend, you know, laughs about it as they're holding, holding the, holding the, uh, the knife and such. And then in the end, when, when, when the police show up, there's the, the main character holding the knife, looking at the knife and wondering how in the world did I get the knife into my hand? I, I didn't do this. Well, well, who did this? Well, it was my friend. And, and, and what do you mean it was your friend? It, it was, it was my friend, Lucy, I, as in Lucifer, Lucy. Yeah. He was my friend and, and he did all this and you get into the, let's say into the, into the hospital at, at the end scene. And, uh, they asked, well, why in the world did you listen to Lucy? Why, why, why did you do that? And the person looks up to them, uh, you know, with a, with a smile, innocent as all get out and goes, well, the devil's a nice guy. He had candy. <laughs> candy. The devil's a nice guy. And, it, and I do a lot for a coffee. That would be. Like that like car, but for a coffee. But it'd be one of those uh, psychological thrillers because the, 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 even though the person was holding the knife in their hand, there'd be no fingerprints, no video, no, no evidence that this person actually committed the murders. All they had at the end was the knife in your hand. That's it. And there's no, so I, when they give them over, there's no prints on the knife. That's the, the way I, I was looking. Is like that. Oh my God! Yes, I. That was another one I was thinking about. It's a great. Okay, one. so it's if I was going to do one, I, scanners, I like the scanners. Yeah, scanners. I like the I, I like the idea of the isolating setting, and I'm a history nerd, so I'd pick somewhere historic where they, you know, they're isolated, and then they could call in. Uh, to the cops because you got modern technology. So how do you neuter it? They're at a historic site. So when they call in the cops, the cops don't believe it, right? They call the 911 and they're like, quit messing around. This is, you know, like whatever. This isn't funny. And so yeah. you've got the technology, but it doesn't help them. Uh, and you've got the historic setting where you can go, you can lean into whatever kind of lore you want and justify it. You know, I've seen some of it where it's like the avenging spirits of like Native Americans or native to whatever. I could, I could see it working with a Viking setting. Right, like what if it's at a dude dead snow? Yeah, somewhere oh, yeah. historic and lean into the whatever the culture in Not the area was. First gold. Yeah, and then like I'm just thinking like the Viking stuff at at the Oak Island. If you guys watch the, you know, are they ever going to find anything? Follow us for 27 seasons where we well, milk you along. Exactly. Um, but the thing is, it's not just Vikings. They've got Vikings. They've got Celtic. They've got a Roman even. So right. Things that could be related to Romans, Native American, uh, uh, several different. A lot of that relates wow. to zombie lore, which is a show we could do. We we actually should. And then the other part of that is, if you go with the person having you know unearthly kind of powers, they're not human; they're either a spirit or whatever. Now you've explained why they're so good with knives because they grew up at a time where that was how you fought. And so everyone, even, you know, your Kung Fu Ninja, whatever guy who thinks he's Billy Badass is no, he can't hold a candle against someone who like, that was what he did every second of every day. 
Like I just a regular food. leash pair. You got stick food. You got knife food. You got shrukin food. Oh, I just got stabbed in the arm. Damn it. Hey, you've That's got three times tonight, <laughs> Stabby. You've got, you've got, uh, you've also got the fact that uh, way back in the day, in the like, you know, 1200s to 1400s, you had people, everybody practicing how to use a bow from the time they were small. And every time, every day after, after sun, after uh, 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 Sunday services at the Catholic church, everybody would go back behind the church and they would, or to the nearest area and they would practice their bow, how to use a longbow and how to shoot. They had constant archery tournaments and stuff like that. That's something you were very good at. Yeah, it was a skill set. It was a necessary skill set. They also knew how to to use a knife as well as they would have those who were good at using a sword or a pike. It always makes me think of the guy that invented the bow. And I was like, I want to stab that dude, but he's so far away. He can stab you by remote control. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All yeah, right. Stuff yeah. that makes me chuckle in my private thoughts. <laughs> so, so Nick, if you were going to set the perfect horror horror movie, because we, we're bringing it home, we're at the two hour mark. Describe us the if you are making a horror movie now. What, tell us about it. Okay, it's going to be mixed genre, and some of it was kind of introduced in uh, Jason X but I would make an isolation type environment cabin out in the woods, maybe post-apocalyptic cityscape, but it's still in a contained uh, like holographic chamber. So you escape that part and you think the movie's over and then no, because you look at the timer and you're only 45 minutes in, you still got another 45 to 60 minutes and boom, now it's in the spaceship orbiting planet. That's about to go, Boom, because the sun's about to go supernova while the killer's trying to kill you and you're trying to get to the, your space pod. Yeah, that would be it. And finally, last but not least, Madam Stabby. Hmm. I'd go Lizzie Borden. Ooh, good choice. Go on. Go you on. don't see enough female slashers. So why not? A female that's just out here killing people because they're in their way. Man. Like, no I guess statistically, people. women are more likely to poison than stab. So, yeah. although you do have, who well, was it? Lizzie? Was it Lizzie Borden that, that did the axe? Yes. Yep. I'm going to try and get you some hate mail. Is it because they were on their period? <laughs> yeah, I said what I said. I don't purpose. care. I don't have one of those. Well, what 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 if it, what if it was uh, a trans male? Uh, and all and all of the women. and they're all and and they and they get uh, get tons and tons of testosterone treatments and such. We're getting uh, too political. <laughs> now we're getting hate mail. It's, it's, it's a it's a plot. I'm hole. trying to get her hate mail. I got to do what I got to do. Old school. Lizzie Borden. So we have the historical setting that JR loves. Kind of like the cabin in the woods. Uh, yes. But, movie. I love that movie <laughs> so much. But it's one of my favorites. We give him some of the old school. It's a writer's nightmare. Tropes. But when the mask comes on, And it can't be like some hard. Oh come on! You think the chick's gonna wear a mask? They want to be seen. They want to be noticed. Pick me, pick me. 
think she's gonna wear a mask. Yeah. Well, if they're is. psychologically, woohoo! <laughs> around in her in her. <laughs> with her star all right. Star. So you can send all the hate mail for Nick to Madam Stabby, which will be linked in our link tree comment or link we tree. You're an, you're an a hole. We don't like you. Uh, she will read it to him. Either. As she stabs him, I promise you. Uh, so, so now that we, we've kind of come come full circle, uh, Madam Stabby, you get to tell us your perfect. You to tell us your favorite, uh, your idea for a horror. Uh, if you want to expand on what you've already said, otherwise we'll wrap it up because I know we're at the two hour mark. Sorry, two hours, uh, minutes, forty five seconds. I was just gonna say, like everybody anticipates it being some messed up dude. Like when the mask comes off, they're like, "That's the trope, he's, yeah." He's probably got a good face, or it's somebody out for revenge. It's some dude. Oh, hate watch oh, for you. Pretty. Of he's a pretty dude. He's like Ryan Gosling, pretty. So, so hold on, Stabby. You just you just brought something up without even mentioning it. You're talking about basically inverting some of the tropes to to you know twist on it. Have you seen the know. new slasher fic about Winnie the Pooh now that he is in the public domain? I oh, Blood Honey? Watched. No, it's on my queue. It's our queue. queue. Sorry, love. Our queue. What about you, uh, Stabby Junior? Since you're a horror uh, aficionado. Maddie, did you watch Winnie the Pooh? I've seen a lot of bits and parts of it. Um, I, I didn't really care for it too much. I thought it was whatever. Okay. What about you, Sean? Have you seen it? Uh, I, I saw it. I, I like that they're using some of the old public domain. It's, I think it's worth it if, if you don't take it too seriously. I'll try to look at it. I haven't seen it yet, though. Yeah. So the other thing that is it made me think is what other iconic properties have hit public domain that you could turn into a slash. I'm waiting for Steamboat Willie to go all stabby stabby. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you should mention that because this is the year that it enters public domain. Well, they've got the Disney rule where the House of the Mouse keeps getting the change IP law uh, specifically to protect Steamboat Willie to protect Winnie the, or Mickey Mouse. So it'll be interesting. Change the name and you alter the appearance 10 percent because that, according to law. You only need to alter it ten percent. Yeah, but then and they you can just make have it. Oswald. Who? The knockoff. Uh, yeah, I, I hate to say this, but I got to get going here. So uh, all right. I, so I, so I, let's, let's wrap it up, y'all. So, so Sean, how can listeners and viewers find you on the Wild Wild Interweb? As usual, we'll be linked in the show notes. Uh, you can reach me at Sean McCune at Facebook, or you can reach me uh, at Gun Guy uh, uh, on uh, on uh, Discord. Or you we can, uh, you can, <laughs> thank you. Uh, you can uh, email me at uh, uh, Sean McCune or ask me, <sighs> sorry, at, uh, uh, hold on. <laughs> I, I got to check it out because I changed it here a little bit ago. <laughs> God, hold on. We still love gun guy. Yes, I know. Thank you for loving me. Uh, it, you can reach me at, um, uh, author Sean McCune at gmail.com. Outstanding. And uh, what about you, uh, Stabby Jr., Maddie? Uh, I understand you have a, a page where you're starting to get into your screenwriting ideas. So can you tell people how to find that? Uh, yeah, you can reach me at Maddie underscore MMV on Instagram. Okay. Uh, murder, mayhem, and violence. Is that what the MMV is for? 
No, honestly, I made that username a long, long while ago because I never really used the account. So I just forgot what it was for. I might change it in the future. Okay. Okay. Go with what JR said. That's that's what. It yeah, means. I, I'm probably gonna go with that. A demolition man, where it was like murder, death, kill. Yeah, the MDK laws. Yeah. So, all right. You can find us, as usual, dear listener, on our link tree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E, link tree slash Blasters and Blades podcast. Again, link tree slash Blasters and Blades podcast, where we link to all the things, the bit shoot, the rumble, the Twitter, the email, our Facebook group, where all the shenanigans happen. Facebook.com uh, back slash group slash Blasters and Boys podcast. We would love for you to engage us there. I will get the slash thing right eventually. It's funny I'd mess up the slashing on the slasher episode. Uh, yeah, we totally. To make it simpler, JR. I know. I've only given the one to engage because we want them to join the conversation for this one. This is something you're passionate I, about. I love the engagement. Keep it coming, yes. boys. And then and girls. We, Absolutely. We have the uh, website at anchor.fm slash blasters, tacky and tack blades. Again, anchor.fm slash blasters dash and dash blades, where you can support the show for as little as 99 cents a month. You can help keep the lights on. Uh, and if you want to support the show more directly, you can follow us at buymeacoffee.com slash author JR Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com slash author JR Hanley. Be sure to put the comments section that is for the podcast, and I will ensure that my co-host, Nick Garber, is duly medicated, and uh, there's a fully staffed and stocked first aid kit in his house because, well, we kind of like him and we don't want him to bleed out. Uh, and with that being said, I would like to remind you uh, when you go to the books that you love to read, uh, to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right books. So do your part, people. And with that said, thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For Nick Garber, Stabby Garber, and Doc Saska, I am J.R. Hanley, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom. And we appreciate you joining us, Stabby Jr. and uh, Sean. And uh, maybe we'll do this again for round two on all things murderous and mayhem. Woo! Woo!